Welcome to Hub City Homers, episode 26. This will be a little bit shorter of an episode. The reason being is we're heading into West Virginia this Saturday, who we've already seen once. And while West Virginia is going to be without Taz Sherman, which will which will almost certainly change their game plan, we are all now familiar with the Mountaineers. Um, so we're going to focus primarily on what went down Tuesday night, one of the all-time great college basketball atmospheres and arguably one of the better college atmospheres in any sport. And I've seen, you know, the I've seen Penn State wideout games and I've seen Death Valley and I've seen and been to some crazy um, basketball games before. I was at the TCU Tech game, which had the student section was literally elbow to elbow. But I, I can tell you with without 100% certainty, no game I've ever witnessed has contained that much pure rage in one night. And it created what was perhaps one of the most incredible spectacles you could have expected. So we're going to hop right into talking about that game. And uh, the reason, the other reason I want to focus on Tuesday night is because I want to focus on tech at this point in the year. You're coming down the home stretch now. Um, there's still several Big 12 games to play, obviously, but you've only got about four home games left. You've played the best of the conference. You're about to finish that up with Baylor um, this coming Wednesday. So you're, you're, you're really, you know, your eye in the end. You know, the, what will be, it'll be. You're playing teams you're largely expected to beat from here on out. Um, so we're going to get right into this with a simple question. That question is, you know, when you look at what tech did Tuesday night, what was the biggest thing you learned about this roster that, that maybe you didn't know before? What was something that caught you off guard about this game? And I'll, I'll start with Reed taking that one first. Yeah, I think, uh, partially the, I, I learned that they're, they're good at blocking out the noise a little bit. Um, this is the big first really true test we've had uh, off the court with uh, with a big team and Beard coming in. Um, and they were still able to play up, I wouldn't say all the way to their top of their level, but really close and still able to play really well. And, you know, I, I think we controlled that game pretty much from beginning, beginning to end. Jack, I'll let you take a shot at this as well. Uh, you know, I was really, um, I was really impressed with our bench, and um, mostly, I was, I was impressed with Malik Wilson. And like I said, I've been a Malik Wilson stan ever, ever since the early part of the year. And uh, but the one thing that really kind of um, impressed me with this team, other than the bench. Uh, was that we've seen games where Kevin McCuller and Terrence Shannon Jr. have struggled, but they've been able to contribute in other ways. Uh, in, in a much realer sense, this game, Kevin McCuller also struggled from the field again, kind of. He was three of seven from the field, uh, one of three from uh, three-point range, but he did his job by getting to the foul line, made 12 of 15 free throws on his own. Uh, the person that I was really impressed with the most was Adonis Arms. He went 0 of 6 from the field and 0 of 2 from 3 and ended up with one point. But he had four assists and nine rebounds. And that just seemed like, you know, he is really cementing himself into this lineup as a guy that when he's on, he can go for 25 but when he's off, he's now starting to mature. Well, he's already mature, but 
he's starting to contribute in the same way that the big game guys are, such as McCuller and Shannon, guys that are the backbone of this team. And so I think that Adonis Arms is slowly but surely, you know, kind of cementing himself into the identity of this Texas Tech team. I think he was starting to before, but I think this game really showed that for me where, you know, he recognized that he was really not making shots. And so he just went full on, I'm going to help the team. And nine rebounds and four assists is not a stat line to shake your head at at all. My takeaway from this team is something we kind of knew before, but was really, you know, on display more so than any previous game. And I will get to this here in a little about what that says about Texas, but this tech team is freakishly athletic. You know, it's, it's, it's something you see a lot of this year um, from the better teams in in the nation that it, it isn't good enough anymore. I think in modern college basketball to just be like a great shooter. Because the the emphasis in college basketball shifting more and more to your ability to defend at a high level, you know, Kansas used to be a team that really lit up the scoreboard, right? Like that was that was a calling card of Kansas because they were so elite talent wise. Whereas now, you know, Kansas' offense is not necessarily as good. You know, it's it's centered around you know a, a, a streaky McCormick and whatever Abaji does on any given night. So when you when you're talking about the best team in the Big Twelve, like a lot of it is their ability to defend. You know, what hurt Tech and Allen Fieldhouse was was when they would go into, um, you know, for a lot of that game, they just couldn't score. Now, obviously, Kansas cracked late and the score ran up. But my point being is just Tech, Tech is, when Mark Adams was deciding how he wanted to build his roster, he picked a trend. And that trend was you got to be able to guard all five, which means you got to be, you know, reasonably tall, reasonably lengthy, extremely fast, extremely quick which is a distinction, you know, you got to be able to move, uh, move your feet and you've got to be a pretty, you know, strong kid. These are big burly guards. You know, it's kind of funny. Malik Wilson's probably the smallest guard on the team. Maybe Davion Warren's close, but Malik Wilson's the only guy I would describe as like your typical scrawny guard. And he's just so quick, you know, and that, that, that's, that's what Mark Adams identified. And against Texas, it was just so apparent. You know, Bryson Williams was physically dominant. Marcos Santos Silva couldn't be denied underneath. You know, they, they had no answer from a color just running straight through their defense. They could not keep up, which is, you know, a testament to what Mark Adams did when he was deciding how he was going to build this. He picked the body type he wanted from his guards. He identified how he wanted to run his system offensively and defensively, and he attacked it to the transfer portal. And I think, you know, we've seen this all year, how good they are, but against Texas, when it was that one-sided from an athleticism standpoint, you know, it just, it really jumps out at you. Because here, here's the truth of the matter. I think Marcus Carr was probably the best overall basketball player on that court that night. He was phenomenal in this game. Problem is, is Marcus Carr is not as athletic as anybody else. And um, Tech took advantage of that. You know, he was hitting great shots, made great plays. McCuller just straight up ran by whoever was guarding him. And it didn't matter what Marcus Carr did. Tech locked him up and forced him to take tough shots. And when you're forced to take tough shots, you're not going to make them all. So that it, it, it's it's something that's becoming, I think, more of a trend in basketball. Is it's just it's just not good enough anymore to be an elite scorer. You have to be athletic enough to defend at a high level, and that's something Tech has done well and is arguably the best defensive team in the nation. Um, this is something I want to highlight, and I'll give you guys a, a, a run at this as well. When you look at Texas, you know the, 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 there's something to be said about Chris Beard that I think 
Tech fans may or may not like. It's not like Chris Beard suddenly has forgotten how to coach, right? Like that. As much as I wanted to beat his ass into the ground and was thrilled to watch the broken shell of a man walk out of Lubbock, the reality of the situation is, is Chris Beard is a perfectly good basketball coach. In fact, he's arguably a great one. You know, part of being a great basketball coach is letting your assistants fly, and that's what he let Mark Adams do at Tech when the no middle was installed. Um, the problem I think Chris Beard has, and I'll let you guys diagnose this for yourselves, like I said, but I think the problem Chris Beard has is the problem all Texas basketball coaches have and the problem Texas football has had for the last few years. When it's this easy to select top-tier talent, when you don't have to work at it essentially at all to, to drop a top-10 recruiting class, talent evaluation goes out the window, and instead they're just grabbing the best available. They're recruiting talent, not system. And now that's a, that can work. You can do that in basketball. You can go get, you know, the, 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 the KDs, the, 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 uh, of the world and just go play, you know, like if you just get out of his way, he'll drop 30. The problem is, is Chris Beard recruited all this talent and then put them in the worst system known to man for any of their talents to be shown. Guys, Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen didn't forget how to score. The problem is the motion offense hamstrings them. Texas's best offense all night was when they just gave up on the motion and said, Marcus Carr, go score. That was how their offense worked. It was, hey, Ramey, take a deep shot. Hey, Marcus Carr, go, go, go t- attack the middle. So I think, you know, if you're asking me how Texas has failed this year, it's Chris Beard worried too much about grabbing stars off the board and forgot to worry about, do these kids fit my system? Because if they don't, you got to get rid of the system. And he's not going to do that. He's too stubborn. So I, I think that the experiment in Texas will inevitably fail for the simple reasons Chris Beard is going to have a hard time convincing Texas fans that you go for these more athletic three stars over these pure talent five stars and try to run the no middle. That'll work. But you're going to piss off Texas fans who expect to be in the top tier recruiting ranks. So he he's going to have to adapt or die. And it doesn't look like he's going to. They were thoroughly outplayed. And a lot of it boiled down to they're just not athletic enough to run the no middle. You know, they haven't played the best teams in the Big 12. Their schedule's been terrible. Their, their rankings are inflated. Tech is not a phenomenal offensive team. That's not a shocker to everybody. And Tech scored with some ease for a lot of this game. So, you know, that's my diagnosis, and I'll let you and uh, Jack and Reed take a shot at this now. Jack, what do you think is the problem that's hurting Chris Beard and why he can't seem to get it together at Texas? I think it's pretty much what you said, and I think that um, a lot of it is um, what it, it really started happening in that I noticed after Tech went to the Final Four and to the National Championship game. Uh, was that it's pretty much exactly what you said. It was that we were recruiting talent and not the system. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm really glad that Tech got some of the recruits in the past. And, uh, you know, the guys that have played at Tech in the past will always be uh, Red Raiders. But I feel a lot like for the most part, um, like Jamias Ramsey. Jamias Ramsey really didn't fit the system at Tech. He really came in and didn't want to play defense. He wanted to play a year at Tech, you know, put up 28 points a game and go to the NBA. You know, that's just that's just the type of recruit he was, and I'm not faulting him for that at all. And, you know, that's just the way his game was, and that's the type of game he was tailored to. And that's fine for 
a different program or a different coach. Um, the thing is, is that the no middle and beard system works the best when you're recruiting two, three and low, 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 low four star guys because they have a chip on their shoulder and they want to prove that they deserve the respect that everyone else gets. So they're going to play their ass off. And you know what, if that means you got to play defense for 35 minutes of the game, you know, then that is what it is. I still think to this day that that's a big reason that uh, Beard ran off Namari Burnett uh, last year or two year, whenever he ran off Namari Burnett was because I really just don't feel like Namari Burnett wanted to play defense that much. And so, granted, and uh, Namari Burnett did have, you know, uh, he had some in his own fair share of injury issues. And, and looking at it now, you know, he's at Alabama and we, I wish him nothing but the best in his recovery from his knee issues and everything. And I hope that he does go early high in the first round whenever he does get his time to play in the college ranks and, you know, eventually get to that NBA draft position. But I think that it's exactly what you said when you're saying that, you know, when you get a certain amount of success in a program, you start, you start uh, recruiting talent and not for the system. And, I I think that that is exactly what we're seeing. We saw it the past really two years at Tech with, honestly, compared to our Final Four National Championship round, subpar finishes. You know, we went one or two rounds deep in each NCAA tournament, respectively, and then we we ducked out. But I think that, um, you know, overall, I think that uh, he, he, but all of that has transferred now from Texas Tech to Texas. And so everyone thinks that, you know, a preseason number two ranking and all this stuff is going to pan out into whatever it is, but it's just not because he's not recruiting guys to fill the system. He's recruiting, you know, he had his fair share of the pick for transfers. And now you're seeing what that translates into. These guys don't want to play defense. These guys want to shoot and score. You know, these guys want to score 30 points a game and be drafted in the top five of the NBA draft. Well, I got news for you. You're not going to do that in the no middle unless you're taking, you know, 30 shots a game on your own. Reed, I'm going to ask you the question a little bit differently. And the reason why is because I think, you know, I want to get one certain perspective on this. And what I want to ask is just, you know, from outside of the recruiting aspect of what Chris Beard has done, you know, he had all of the resources in the world to go build his assistant pool and is running effectively the exact same offense and defense he ran at tech. You know, do, do you think that, you know, going to get these guys who are pure recruiters will eventually pay off? You know, what, what, what does he need to look to make a change, you know, to, to try to figure out something different for his team? Yeah, I'll go ahead and piggyback off y'all just a little bit. Um, I think if he recruits guys that fit his system, he'll definitely have some more success in the long, t- long term. Um, but one thing that I would mention that y'all really haven't mentioned yet is I don't feel like he's had this amount of pressure uh, to succeed yet that he has had now here at Texas. Um, here at Tech, he was – I mean, everybody thought the world of him. He thought we'd win regardless because he was our coach. Um, had we lost, you know, three to five straight losing seasons, I think he could still be here with no issue and people would have a problem with that. Um, Texas, that's going to be a different story. If he's two or three years in, it's a failed experiment, 
Um, it might be a different, different issue, um, in Austin for him. You know, I just, I feel like with the coaches he's got, it should be no issue to recruit who he wants. I think that was evident with the class he got. Uh, he got anybody and anybody and everybody he wanted out of the transfer portal. Um, Jalen Tyson as well flipped with him from tech when he left. Um, it's not going to be about who he can get in terms of stars. It's who he can get that can fit his system. Um, you know, outside of our national title run, we had plenty of issues on our roster, in my opinion. Uh, in 2020, if COVID wouldn't have hit, I don't know if we would have made a tournament that year. Um, we were honestly kind of teetering off and on uh, whether we were going to make it or not. So I think you could almost mark that as a failed year uh, in terms of your team. You never really won games that you expected to win uh, after coming off a national title runner. Um, the year after last year, I think it was kind of the similar team. We kind of had Mac fill the Jemias role um, with just constant scoring. He's not really a defensive guy. I don't think anybody would really argue that. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's definitely on the plate for him to succeed. It's just going to take him a little time, I think, to figure it out and you know, if he doesn't answer the pressure pretty quick, I think he'll be on a hot seat a lot shorter than people realize. I I think that I'll 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 kind of go off that a little bit also, um, and we kind of mentioned it in the last pod, uh, Mike. I know you did. Chris Beard inherited a great program here, like a great a great I mean it didn't seem great at the time from the outside but from the inside you look at the guys that are already here that Tubby Smith had recruited here he didn't pick up a struggling pro this this program with Tubby Smith was on the way up and so I mean he kind of he didn't and I won't want to say he lucked into what he came into because he definitely did his fair share of hard work but at the same time, you know, Tubby Smith did a lot of the grunt work when it comes to the recruiting of those guys like Keenan Evans, Justin Gray, you know, Tommy Hamilton, uh, Brandon Francis, all those guys, you know, like those were those were Tubby Smith guys. And so the fact that like he kind of came in and inherited those guys, it was definitely a positive situation trending up when he got to Lubbock as well. Whereas I think that it was a big get in his personal thing to keep Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey. Uh, but, you know, he lost some other guys from that team. Uh, you know, he kept Jace Febris, uh, but, you know, they lose other guys off that squad. And then you try and plug in, you know, these superstar guys from play like Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen, who were the best absolute guys in the portal portal other than, uh, Remy Martin, who went to Kansas. Um, I also want to point out the big, I think the biggest get of this uh, offseason for Tech was to get Bryson Williams because Rodney Terry was Bryson Williams' head coach at Fresno. When he left Fresno to go to UTEP, Bryson Williams went with him to UTEP, and then he left UTEP to go to Texas to be with Beard. But instead of going to Texas, he came to Tech anyway. And so I think that that other than his performances, I think that was a huge get that probably in all honesty, it probably threw Chris Beard for a loop when he found out that Bryson Williams was going to go to tech anyway. The reason why I ask about coaches is because this is another thing. And I, 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 you know, 
I enjoy kicking a man when he's down. So I'm going to kick Chris Beard around a little bit. You know, Mark Adams had a problem. He had a problem when he took over as a head coach. He had always been a defensive orientated coach and he, he knew the motion offense was no longer going to be what tech was going to do. That was a Bobby Knight, Chris Beard thing. So he trying to decide what offensive system he wants to go get, you know, Barrett Peary is a guy he brought in specifically to help run his offensive system. Now, do I think that coach Peary would prefer that the offense run faster? Yeah, that, that was his calling card at Portland state, but it was a point of order being that, you know, we didn't, we needed a brand new offense. So you wouldn't hire a guy to run an offense. And then the opposite fucking side of this is Chris Beard, who said, I know what offense I'm going to run. I know what defense is going to run. I'm going to hire like eight head coaches and I'm going to make them go recruit. And that's it. I don't give a shit about their input. I don't care what they've got to say. We're running the motion offense and the no middle. And, you know, the funny thing about that is this team is not suited to run either of those systems. They're not athletic enough for the no middle. And the motion offense just blows and completely ruins great athletes. On top of the fact that, yeah, putting guys like Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr on the same team is the the same thing we're kind of seeing with Bryson Williams, Kevin O'Banner, but multiplied times a thousand. You know, it... Bryson Williams and Kevin O'Banner have done a great job both accepting that, you know, I don't necessarily always have to be the man. They went and found a role for themselves in this team. When Tech has needed scoring, they've gone and done it. When Tech has needed them to rebound, they've gone and done it. You know, Bryson Williams has started to take over the mantle of this team. Well, Shannon's out and Kevin O'Banner, you know, until last to last Tuesday night, he really, his job was to crash the glass. Couldn't find his outside shot for shit. So he went and got rebounds. On the flip side of this, it's just that Timmy Allen and Marcus Carr are so good, that was never going to be possible for them because they have they are going to be gone next year and in the NBA, right? Bryson Williams and Kevin O'Banner both need to prove their draft stock out. You know, th- those guys may or may not get NBA looks. They probably will. But the reality situation is just that, uh, you know, besides um, bringing in both those guys, it also points to the fact that like, Chris Beer can't manage these relationships for shit. You know, Kevin O'Banner, Mar- Bryson Williams, Davion Warren, Adonis Arms, you know, these are guys who would want, normally would want to run the team. And Mark Adams picked a system they could work with, got them to embrace the culture, got them to embrace the identity, and we don't see problems. Flip side of this is Texas, it was apparent across the board that they are expecting either Marcus Carr or Timmy Allen to do something, and neither one of those two guys really likes it when the other takes over. You know, I, I, I can tell Timmy Allen was frustrated that Tech just took him out of the game entirely. You know, I can tell that, you know, that's not what he enjoys is watching Marcus Carr shoot 20 times, you know. So I, I, I just I point all this out to just demonstrate a simple truth that I think got lost in all the noise, all the all the hate, everything is that two coaches were given essentially identical tasks and only one of them passed the test. And it was the guy everybody thought was going to fail. So, you know, uh, uh, Jeff Goodman's been a good sport about all this. But, the you know, the, him and many other members of the national media believed truthfully that Mark Adams was just an old man who didn't who knew defense and would not be able to run this team. And he's checked every box. Chris Beard, on the flip side, has checked effectively none of these boxes. It's easy to recruit to Texas. A five-year-old could recruit to Texas. You got to do everything else as a head coach there. And he's been unable to do it. You know, Texas could end up in the NIT. They have a backloaded schedule. Tech seems, you know, bound for a top three seed if they play their cards right. So we're we're, we're going to now pivot back, focusing more on Tech itself and less just punching on Chris Beard for fun, which is my favorite activity, by the way, and I will continue to do so regularly throughout the year. But we're going to focus a bit on Tech to close out this show. Um, 
you know, we, we saw a lot of good against Texas. A, a, a lot went well. But, you know, if you're, if you're looking at the, the season as a whole as we come down the stretch, are, what area are you still concerned about? You know, what, what's some area of this team that even after all this time, you're just saying, man, if they could just do this, you know, they could take it to a whole other level. And I'll go to Reed first with that one. I was going to say, you already know what mine's going to be. So go ahead, Reed. Yeah, I'll just say, I mean, even though uh, O'Banner shot really well from the floor, especially from three the other night, I'd say as a team, we just, if we can just find a consistent three point you know, shooter, shooters, whether it's two or three guys, I think that would really just take you to the next level. I think a guy like Moretti on this team would be lethal. You know, I, we just don't have anybody that can give the ball to. Um, and when they shoot it, you know that's going to go in from three-point range. Maybe Bryson Williams right now, uh, but he's probably one of the hottest guys in the nation at this point in time uh, with the way he's been scoring the ball. Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I would have said probably free-throw shooting, but I, it seemed like that's gotten uh, a little bit better the last few games. Um, and I will say, uh, just as a whole, I'm really glad that McCullough played the way he did the other night. Uh, if he's able to keep that up, I think it's going to help us a whole lot down the stretch, especially if TJ is still not uh, going to be 100% on the floor or if Arms has another night like he did or he's only putting up one point. Um, but as, as a whole, I guess I'd go a three-point shooting. But uh, after, after what we did the other night, I, I really don't have a definite answer in that category right now. Jack, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to let you say it anyways. What's your thought? It's the damn free throws. They're free. Make them. I God, I would pay a hundred dollars for. I love and I love the way of the ball that Marcus Santos Silva has been playing lately. He's been a menace on the floor. He's been playing hard. He's been playing his ass off, and it's been great to see. But damn, I would pay for a Marcus Santos Silva made free throw here and there. Um, you know this this team. Overall, they're all right when it comes to free throws, but they're still below 70% as a team for the year, and it just pains me to watch. Uh, I don't know if I've really ever watched another team uh, shoot, another tech team, I should say, shoot free throws and just literally be on my hands and knees praying that uh, they make one. Uh, I know, and I know Kevin McCuller went 12 of 15 the other night from the line, which was a very uh, welcome sight, but it's the free throws for me. Uh, also I'll throw in one little side thing and, and if it's yours, Mike, I apologize, but, uh, you know, it, it still worries me that, uh, it doesn't seem like we can get our two best guys on the floor at the same time playing with a consistent flow. Um, you know, it just, it's very, it's very worrisome to me. I know that, I know that TJ's back has been bothering him and it's still bothering him. And he did put in six minutes at the end of that game against Texas. But when things aren't right, you can tell. And I just don't think things are right. And I truly think that if his back was, you know, above 80, 90%, then he would be able to mesh on the floor. And right now that's just not the case. Um, to put it in perspective, Buzo and KJ Allen have had more game appearances than Terrence Shannon has. Terrence Shannon, uh, right now has the least amount of appearances, 
out of anyone on the roster other than the walk-on Temperman. So I just would really like to see them all play together as a unit cohesively. But if this is yours, then I'll let you touch on it. But that's just a side gripe of mine. But the free throws, make the free throws. I would say, you know, I'm concerned about Shannon's health as much as anybody because I will contend till the end of this year that Tech's ceiling is directly impacted by his ability to get on the court. Look, a lot of people at this point are starting to do, you know, the whole, well, what if TJ was part of the problem? Guys, TJ Shannon was the only reason we were able to score at all in the early weeks. This team had no idea how to score. It, it, it was a complete clusterfuck with Bryson Williams missing everything, Kevin O'Banner missing everything. Um, McCuller was trying to throw in his weight. Arms wasn't scoring. Davion Warren wasn't scoring. Link Wilson, and it was just TJ Shannon against the world. You know, that, that, that's what a lot of the games became. So yeah, the offense didn't look pretty at those points because we had a team that just didn't know what it was doing yet. And now that we've kind of figured that out, Shannon's been trying to play at like 50%. Yeah, he was terrible offensively against Kansas. He took way too many shots, but he's trying his best to work through this and participate in the team. Like, look at what happened against Texas. I talked about this after the game is TJ was a true, you know, road warrior. There was no reason for him to come in that game, but he desperately wanted to be on the court and give it a go. And, you know, backs are tricky. I don't know what his health is like. I don't know what we're going to see against West Virginia. We're going to probably see more of what we've seen so far. There'll be some games he's feeling really good and some he's not. So when you're when you're talking about an injury like that, that that's a concern. In terms of the actual play, my concern is there's no primary ball handler. We get beat way too often by like token pressure. And the reason why is because Kevin McCullough was the guy who came in this year assuming the role effectively of primary ball handler. And he's just not very good at that. You know, that's not his speed. He he's great at attacking. He's great. He makes you know, really decisive moves towards the rack. And it's gotten fouled a bunch, gotten in the line a bunch. And he made a bunch of them against Texas. My problem is Kevin McCullough will also throw the ball away like four times a game, make ill-advised decisions. When we're in trap, when he gets trapped in these pressures, he can't direct. We don't have a primary ball handler. Adonis Arms isn't a primary ball handler. Malik Wilson started to look like that, but since his injury, that's kind of sidelined him from that role. He's a stabilizing presence, but he's still not a primary ball handler. I saw a tweet today, and I don't think this is necessarily true, but there was something about, you know, uh, you know, all the best teams that won a national title have had primary ball handlers who can just, you know, settle everything down and hold serve. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think the thing that you know, the last several national titles have had is really, really dominant guard play. And I, I think tech has plenty of very good guards. It's not necessarily true that the best teams have had the best primary ball handlers. You know, that helps, you know, that, that has gotten teams high places and it. A lot of the times these best players are ball handlers, but I just think that the, without a true point guard, you will get into trouble in big moments, you know, and that happens, happened against Kansas happened against Texas when they made their little runs. It was because we couldn't get out of pressures. Um, I don't think it's enough to get you beat, but it is enough later down the line to maybe hold you from getting to your full potential. And here's the sad thing is the guy who I think would really help out the most with this is Terrence Shannon, right? Because you don't need a primary ball handler as much if Terrence Shannon is just taking guys to the rack. You know, right now, Kevin McCullough is really doing that. Davion Warren's really doing that. And if you had a third guy who can just take people off the bounce, fuck having a guy who can direct the offense. That's your offense. You know, they'll they'll drive, kick, and shoot. So the, the, it, it's 
if Terrence Shannon can't get healthy, Tech needs to start finding a way to develop a true ball handler, maybe prioritizing Malik Wilson in that role, uh, convincing McCuller to change his game a bit. I don't know if you want to do that, but if you can't, if you're going to take, if you're going to be down a weapon, that's going to make it easier for your offense to flow. Then you need to figure out a way to gel the offense. And the best way to do that is having a strong guard to settle everybody down when things aren't falling. Um, we're just going to briefly touch on West Virginia and close. And the reason why we're going to briefly touch on them, as I mentioned, we've seen them before. The big news being Taz Sherman will not be playing in this game, which I think effectively eliminates any chance of West Virginia winning. Um, I, I'm supremely confident now. Morgantown's a hellish place to play. It's hard to get to. Their fans are loud. That's a great venue. But without Taz Sherman, I just, what the hell are they going to do? So I'm I'm gonna just open this up to predictions and gonna ask you guys what's your one thought about West Virginia in this game? And I'll go Jack then Reed. So Jack, what, what what's your prediction? What's your one thought about West Virginia? Uh, my one thought about West Virginia is that right now they're kind of like a hurt animal backed into a corner. Uh, they've lost six games in a row, and their last win was against Oklahoma State at home. Uh, in their third conference game. So, you know, they've lost six straight. Uh, they're at the bottom of the conference. They are in, after Kansas State beat uh, Oklahoma State, uh, I guess it was two nights ago uh, or last night, they are in the bottom, in the cellar by themselves. Uh, two and six in conference play. And... They're still thirteen and eight overall, so they're not a really a bad team, so to speak. But uh, you know, everyone's heard of Press Virginia, and that's just not there this year. It's just really not. And I think that they're. I would say that's how I would describe it. They're a herd animal backed into a corner. They're going to lash out at anyone that comes close. And Tech would be wise to get in there and get into Morgantown and put their foot on the gas early and just stay ahead the whole game, kind of like they did against Texas, but keep it. I'd be a lot more, uh, you know, mentally stable if they put it, you know, ahead of or put it were ahead more than 12 to 15 points for most of the game. Uh, We won the last game 78 to 65. And that was at home. I'm. I'll. I'll go out a prediction. And is are we for sure that Taz Sherman's not playing in this game? Yes, I think that was confirmed that he's out. Okay. Well, if Taz Sherman is out, then I would say most likely I would say Tech wins seventy six to fifty eight. Uh, Tash Sherman's their best scorer and has their has the most assists, and I'm pretty sure he leads them in rebounds as well. If not, then he's a close second. So uh, I, I'll go, I'll dev, I'll go uh, seventy six to fifty eight, uh, Red Raiders. Reed, what's your what's your one thought on West Virginia, and what is your prediction? Yeah, kind of similar to what what Jack was talking about. Uh, my one thought on them, you know, they're they're reeling right now. I know they'd love nothing more than kind of spoil our season uh, coming in without Taz Sherman and, and beat us on their home floor. 
especially with you got coach like Bob Huggins, who's an easy Hall of Famer. Uh, he'll have him ready to get ready to go, no matter who's playing for him. Um, my my thing is, I think without Sherman, they're really going to struggle to score the ball against our defense. Uh, I think McNeil on their team is kind of similar to Moretti. Uh, the year after going to the national championship, he, he kind of got thrusted into that primary ball handle, kind of handling the ball more in general, and that's just really not him. I feel like McNeil is kind of in the same role. Uh, he's kind of their sharpshooter, guy that can kind of beat you off the dribble a little bit, get to the hoop, uh, and good free throw shooter. But he's not a guy that's going to dribble the ball up the floor and you know drive and kick and all that. That's just not who he is, and I think without Sherman, he's going to have a lot on his plate to try and handle against our defense. Um, Prediction-wise, I, I think without Sherman, I don't know if they, they touch 60. Kind of agree with Jack on that aspect. I'll go, uh, I'll go 74-57 Red Raiders. My, my quick thought on West Virginia is pretty simple because we've touched on a lot of this. It's just, it's hard to get road games in the Big 12. You know, it's hard to get them. But if you're ever going to get one, West Virginia is a team that would kind of solidify you in the Big 12 race because it's uh, it, a lot of teams are going to go into Morgantown and struggle a bit. I don't know, you know, how many teams have played West Virginia at home yet. I haven't, I haven't looked at their schedule, but, you know, I think Tech is a bad matchup for West Virginia this year in particular. Um, that West Virginia team played a really gritty game in Lubbock and still was, you know, handled in a lot for large stretches of the game and then put away late. I think without Taz Sherman, there's just no chance they stay in this game. I called a, 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 a um, I think I ended up calling like a 20 point win last time. I think this time you beat them even worse. I think this is like an 80 50 situation. Um, and the reason why is just without Taz Sherman, they have no offense. That's discouraging. I think Tech is finding itself offensively. So that that's my prediction, and that'll wrap up our show for the night. Um, keep your ears peeled. We're, we're getting ready for baseball season coming up very soon. We were just discussing before the show how we're going to handle that. Um, yes, I know sir, somebody, it's baseball. I know somebody asked us in the Twitter page to talk about the football recruiting. I think what we're going to do is we'll handle that through a write-up on the site. I just There's so many guys who committed through junior day. It's hard to keep track of them all, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And as always, wreck them, and let's go kick the shit out of West Virginia.